This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reed Financial, Chris Herline. Good day, everybody. Chris Herline here, CEO of Reap Financial right here in Austin and host of Wealth Radio every Saturday morning with you here on KLBJ for over a decade now. Glad to have you with us. Join me now, 512-836-0590. Text me your questions. We'll be sure and get to those throughout today's program. I've got so much lined up for today. Um, fastest hour of my week, obviously, and we're going to try to get it in here. I want to challenge you, savers. You investors, you pre and post retirees out there to consider changing your financial religion. Is it time to say goodbye to tax deferral? We're going to talk through that today. I also want to talk through a couple case studies just to refresh our listeners' memory as to why it's so important that your retirement account paperwork is done right. Okay. It can be a nightmare if it's not done correctly. I want to talk to you about how working past age 62 can change your social security benefits. A lot of people are working past 62 and I want you to know the mechanics of how working impacts your future benefit. And if we have time today, I'm going to talk to you about five IRA distribution mistakes that people commonly just run into and it can be avoided. So a lot to cover today, 512-836-0590. When it comes to tax deferral, I know it's hard It's hard to abandon long-standing rules of thumb, but sometimes circumstances are going to change. It's necessary to change our thinking as things change, specifically if you want to maximize your after-tax wealth. I believe the, the oldest planning rule in the book is to defer taxes when possible, right? Don't pay tax until you have to is one of the first things um, that many tax planners learn, many CPAs learn and, and still share with their clients today. In tax deferral, it's the foundation of most, if not almost all retirement plans because current tax breaks and tax deferral on income, well, they, they give you significant incentives to put money into your traditional IRAs in your traditional 401ks every year. And tax deferral is also why many people don't take distributions from these accounts really until they have to. Sometimes they wait all the way out till 73, 75, you know, their full retirement, not their full retirement, their full RMD, required distribution age. But listen, circumstances have changed and they're likely to continue to change in the next few years. And those changes make tax deferral a lot less attractive than maybe it once was. Now, I first argued that tax deferral wasn't always the optimum strategy after the Roth IRA was created. You know, we've been on KLBJ now for 12 years and I've been challenging, excuse me, 10 years, I've been challenging our listeners that, um, you know, you need to think through not just the gross, but the net. And many people have difficulty believing that their long-term after-tax wealth could be increased by paying taxes today. It's kind of counterintuitive. And the way that people do this is they get in the the Roth IRA, they they get in the, uh, the, the, the Roth 401k, they start converting. And this is why 
every single year as we're retiring families here in Austin, many of our Wealth Radio listeners year over year, you know, we build Roth conversion plans for you. We can show you what your tax liability is over your retirement if you do nothing. And then we can show you what it looks like and the benefits of potentially paying the price of admission today to have tax-free growth forever. And when you see those kind of numbers, it's easier to get excited about writing the check to Uncle Sam today. Now, the circumstances when it, when it makes most sense to pay tax early is likely when you're going to face higher income tax rates in the future. Now, this is another big misconception. People think, well, I'm making the big bucks. I, you know, I'm, I've got a job. I'm socking everything I can away in these 401ks, getting as much tax deferral, getting as much horsepower in that account for my future retirement. And when I retire, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket. That is true for many Americans. But for many successful, more affluent Americans, our listeners that have done a great job of saving, that's not always the case. In fact, there's cases where we see clients in higher tax brackets through retirement. Talked about that many times over the years. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Reap Financial, where I talk about case studies as to why that is. I drop new content on there every Wednesday so that you guys can stay in touch of the latest. So I encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube channel at Reap Financial. But in a lot of cases, I'm saying that that families, they're not in a lower tax bracket. But let's just assume that you're in a lower tax bracket when you retire today or in five years. Do you think tax rates will be as low as they are five years from now as they are today? Would it surprise you to know that tax rates are lower than they've, they've been in 40 years? It's the lowest they've been. In 2026, they're already set to sunset. They're already set to go back up. And, you know, when you look at the history of tax rates in this country, you know, it kind of reminds me of a couple years ago when families were consulting with my team of advisors going, hey, we're going to buy a house. Should we pay cash? We're going to buy a new truck. Should we pay cash? When money was free, you could 0% financing on a truck, 25 3.5% interest on a, on, a, on a home. You know, families were establishing home equity lines of credit not to use them, but just to lock in free money or very cheap money for 10 years. It was a really prudent move. And a lot of people now are going, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I lock in a line of credit at 3 or 4%? Why did I sink half my nest egg into bricks and mortar a house when I could have had a 2.8% mortgage? Now, don't get me wrong. I like your house paid off. The point I'm trying to make is I don't believe we will see interest rates that low again in decades, potentially our lifetimes. There's also a good chance that we may not see tax rates this low, 40-year lows, again in decades or potentially our lifetime. So when you think about your 401ks and your IRAs, it is a one-way relationship. You are really in this relationship with Uncle Sam that gets to decide the amount of tax you get to pay whenever you need the money or whenever you're forced to take it down the road. So there's another reason that you may want to consider saying goodbye to some of this tax deferral. It's for married couples. And it's what I call solo years. You see, after one spouse passes away, the surviving spouse all of a sudden becomes an individual 
tax filer. And under the tax code, a single taxpayer is going to be in a higher tax bracket than a married couple with the same or similar income. I call it a widow's penalty. And this is something that's really overlooked. Because even if the income of this surviving spouse declines, unless the decline is very significant, and in most cases it's not, maybe a, a single social security check goes away, the, the smaller of the two. But the surviving spouse is likely to have or be in a higher tax bracket than when the couple, you know, the, 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 the spouses were living together and filing joint. Now, the surviving spouse has left less after-tax income than was anticipated because higher taxes must be paid to take money out of the IRA and 401k. So let me, let me just be clear that you heard what I said. All of a sudden, as a widow, your nest egg shrinks overnight. Well, at least the next tax cycle, because all of a sudden you're going to be taxed more on money you want to utilize. It's all about the net. This is why tax deferral, having everything in pre-tax, is not, in my opinion, the optimal way to plan. Now, there's other things, and I've talked about it for years. It's, it's stealth taxes. You know, when you are taking money out of 401ks and IRAs, this can create a number of stealth taxes, such as the amount of Social Security benefits that are included in your gross income, um, the Medicare premium surtax. I've talked about that for years. So you've got to be mindful of what you're pulling out when you're pulling it out, because if you're not, in many cases, you're going to create stealth taxes. And if you don't do it intentionally, what happens is your required distribution kicks in at 73.75. And for many of you that have a lot of wealth in those type of accounts, listen, you know, you, you may be bumped up a bracket or two and be facing those type of things. Now, think about this. The money in a Roth, the accumulated income and gains are never taxed when they're distributed. There's also advantages to moving money from a traditional IRA to a, a taxable retirement account. Taking a distribution out, let's say you have an R RMD and then you can't move your RMD into a Roth. I get that question all the time. But a lot of families will take their RMD and then put it in a taxable account. Some families will take their, their, their uh, distribution early and put it in a taxable account. But again, if you're going to do that, it's all income. And when you convert to Roth, it's all income. So do you want to get an account that is tax-free or will be taxed at preferable cap gains rate, like a brokerage? Now, the reason I say there's it's healthy to have money in brokerage and Roth is because there's some waiting laws, some some waiting five-year waiting rules on Roths. You can check that out on my YouTube channel, at Reap Financial. I talk about that. But the, the thing about it is, you know, you've got to have things spread out if you really want to have the control that I talk about all the time. Listen, before I go to break, I want to just give you guys a quick update. We have a brand new report. It's called our 10 Retirement Tips Guide. And this thing is packed full of the top 10 things that you need to be doing or considering as you walk into retire, rock into retirement, or if you've recently retired. And, you know, we go into detail in this report as to how we counsel and consult with our successful families and retirees at Reap Financial. Get your hands on it right now. Go to my website, 
Go to reapfinancial.com. That's R-E-A-P financial.com. It's of great value and it's at no cost for our Wealth Radio listeners. Go to reapfinancial.com. Right there on the homepage, you can get a direct download. We've got some text questions coming in at 512-836-0590. You can join me. Send yours now. I'll get to you on the other side of the break. This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reap Financial, Chris Herline. Welcome back. Chris Herline here of Reap Financial and host of Wealth Radio every Saturday here on KLBJ for over a decade now. Great to have you with us. Got a lot of things lined up to pack into this hour. And um, one of the things I want to talk about in our second segment here is why you've got to ensure that your retirement account paperwork is done correctly. It can be a total nightmare. I'm going to give you a couple of case studies. I want you to avoid these type of things that are easily avoidable by taking prudent steps and proactive steps. But before I do that, I want to go to the phone lines here. I'm going to take a, uh, a question here from Sharon. Hey, Sharon, she says, I'm 65 now. Can I take Social Security for one year and then defer it? Sharon, I, I won't guess why you may want to do that, but I, what I will tell you is that there's two rules when it comes to Social Security about starting and stopping the benefit. And the first one is when you turn on Social Security early. You have 12 months to make a decision if you want to stop that benefit or keep it going. Now, let's say you turn it on at 65 in your case. That's not full retirement age. Full retirement age for retirees when it comes to your Social Security is 66 and 67 for many today. So in your case, if you turned it on at 65, you would have 12 months to decide. So if you wanted to turn it off in the 12th month, you can do that. But you have to write a check back to the government for every dollar you took over that 12-month period. You got to reimburse the government when they've been holding your money for 35 years of a working career. It's a hard check to write. Okay, the second law or second rule is if you turn on your Social Security at your full retirement age, 66, 67, at any point you can do what's called voluntary suspension and allows you to suspend any time. And so after you turn your full retirement age, if you want to turn it off, you can do so and you don't have to pay it back. So the strategy for you may be this. You take Social Security now at 65. You said that was your age. And you would have to take it until at least your full retirement age, which is likely 67. And at that point, you could turn it off and not have to pay anything back. Now, a lot of families, what they do is, you know, they coordinate their benefits with all their other assets, you know, the income they want and need. And let's say both spouses have a nice benefit. Well, one turns theirs on at 62, while the other's sitting in deferral. And then years pass, they get to their full retirement age, and the one that had it on early now turns it off. And the other spouse that's been in deferral turns it on. Well, by being in deferral, it's now a larger benefit. And the smaller benefit that was taken is now in deferral, growing and recouping the penalty it received by taking it early. So voluntary suspension can be a great strategy, 
but know what the two start and stop rules are there, Sharon. Thanks for the uh, the text. 512-836-0590. I've got um, several more I'm going to get to here. I promise I'll get to you. But I, what I want to talk about is the fact that many people don't take their IRA and 401k paperwork seriously enough. And it leads to terrible consequences. And I want to tell you about two cases here. You know, the first case involves an IRA owner who failed to notify the custodian that's holding the the money that they moved. They got a new address. And most people don't know this, but an IRA custodian can change the rules whenever they want. IRA custodians can actually decide to stop being a custodian of account. And under the conditions that are specified in the IRA documents that very few people read, a custodian can close an IRA without any action from you, the IRA owner. And the most common provision says that the IRA custodian can resign and close the account within 30 days after notifying the IRA owner, you, the IRA owner. So this gives you typically time to decide where you want to roll it over to. Now, if the custodian doesn't hear from you within the 30 days notice, it can close the account. And a lot of times they do this for inactivity. If it's a small account, a large account, whatever, that's not real active. Maybe it's, you know, just one that's been hanging out there for years. You kind of forgot about it. A lot of times they could consider closing it because of inactivity. But when they close it, they're generally going to send you a check and mail it with a letter of explanation. And they're going to mail it to the address that's on file, okay? You see where this is going? Now, the custodian's also going to send a 1099-R to both the IRS and you, the owner, notifying the IRS of the distribution, the amount. And you, the owner, at this point, would have to include the amount of the, the, the distribution, your gross income, unless you roll it over to a qualified retirement account within 60 days of this distribution. Okay, so in this case that I'm telling you about, the IRA owner had moved. The custodian didn't receive any notice of the new address. And after time had passed, the custodian sent a letter to this individual to the last known address. And the custodian was resigning from the account, but the owner didn't get it. So eventually, the IRS sent you know the taxpayer a letter that says, hey, you owe additional taxes and penalties because you failed to report this IRA distribution. You failed to include it in your gross income. So now what happens? Now you got to hire professionals. And after consulting with the CPA and doing a lot of paperwork, the IRA owner, in this case, ended up being able to roll over the shares of stock held in the IRA to another IRA. So what the CPA did is they they drafted a request to the IRS, asked for a waiver of the 60-day requirement, and to accept the rollover as a tax-free transaction. Well, good news. The IRS did rule in the IRA owner's favor, so no additional taxes or penalties were due. But guess what? To avoid all of this, the taxpayer had to undertake a lot of work and pay the CPA a lot of billable hours and incur a $10,000 fee that the IRS charges to request a ruling. 
Now the IRA owner, you know, they they realize all of these costs because they didn't notify, simply notify the custodian of their new address. It's simple paperwork snafus like this that that creates significant consequences. And a lot of you may have multiple 401ks from multiple jobs. A lot of you may have several IRAs or several brokerages floating around out there. Make sure your paperwork's up to date. And in many cases, with our successful families at Reap Financial that we're retiring, what happens is we're consolidating. A lot of times you want to get simple in retirement. You want things more efficient and streamlined. That's one reason to consolidate. But the second case involved a dispute over an inheritance. An individual had a 401k and had a will and everything set up. And this owner of the 401k, his plan was to leave the majority of the wealth to his two children equally. So what happened is this 401k owner had this plan for some time. What happened is a new custodian came in to take it over, a new plan administrator. And when that was done, the proper beneficiary paperwork wasn't completed. Now, the beneficiary paperwork had been completed with the old custodian, in this case, when maybe they, uh, you know, the, the individual signed up for the plan. But when the new custodian came on, many of these documents didn't convey. So what happens, this 401k owner dies, and his second wife, in this case, is now the sole beneficiary of the 401k, not the kids. Even though the father's intent, even though his will says that it's supposed to be left to the kids, the plan administrator, by default, says that if there's no beneficiary designated, if married, the spouse, it could be the second or fifth spouse, it doesn't matter, is the sole inheritor. Well, what happens? The kids go to court, they fight it, and the court ends up ruling that even though it was in the will, even though that the father had originally designated, because the new plan did not have a updated beneficiary designation, it went to the second spouse. The same thing happens a lot with life insurance. Like you could have in your will that, hey, I've got a bunch of money and a large life insurance policy, a million bucks I want to go tax-free to my kids. And if you don't have the proper beneficiary designation, listen, it starts with the designation form. There's been horror stories where a family, you know, husband-wife divorced, contentious divorce, years passed by, that life insurance beneficiary wasn't updated, boom, where's it going? It's going to the ex-spouse. People often think, well, it's in my will. But in many cases, with certain accounts, 401ks and life insurance in particular, the beneficiary designation form will oversee. So as you go into this next year, please consider all the accounts that you have. Make sure that everything's buttoned up. And then at the same time, consider if your will and trust are outdated. A lot of times you did it when the, the, the kids were born, right? It's been 30 years. You'd be shocked how many families we work with every year that come in with millions of dollars and they haven't updated their will for 30 years and or 
They don't even have one. I get it. It's not the funnest thing to consider. But as your wealth has grown, responsibility's grown. And we want to help you protect your wealth at Reap Financial from litigation, from divorce. We want to help you disinherit Uncle Sam legally and keep the wealth in the bloodline. We want you to build a wall around your wealth. And everything I'm talking about today is in that vein. I want to encourage you guys, if you're just tuning in with me, we've got a great new report. It's our 10 Retirement Tips Guide. It's exactly the top issues we consult with our successful families on. And if you are pre-retired or post-retired, you got to get your hands on this. It's a checklist and it goes in depth with all the things that you need to really be considering to optimize your planning. Go to reapfinancial.com right now. That's R-E-A-P, reapfinancial.com right there on my homepage. Get an instant download at no cost for all of our wealth radio listeners. I've got some text questions that have come in here. You can join me, 512-836-0590. I'll get to these right on the other side of the break. It's halfway through the hour here. We'll take a quick news break. I'll be right back. This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reap Financial, Chris Herline. Welcome back, everybody. Chris Herline here, CEO of Reap Financial. Great to have you back with me. You can join me right now, 512-836-0590 with your text questions. We already took one from Sharon earlier. I want to take one here from, uh, let's go to Art. Art uh, asks, should we sell our home and downsize before or after retirement? A couple considerations there, Art. Um, you'd be surprised, you know, at Reef Financial, we, we, we work with families generally that are retiring, soon to be retiring, selling a business, maybe they inherited wealth. It's a transition point, right? And the conversation is, you know, are we going to stay in the house that we're in now that we've been in for years? Are we going to downsize? The, the most interesting thing that often catches people is you could have 10, 15, 20 million dollars in the bank, be able to go and buy a house cash 10 times over. But the bank won't finance you because you no longer have an income. It's not that it's impossible, but there's a lot more hoops to jump through. The bank wants to see income. W-2 income. They, they, don't, they don't really care that you got $10 million. I mean, that's nice. There's ways to leverage that and get loans against that. But when you think about traditional mortgages, if you're going to finance, um, you need to finance, right? If you, if you had to finance, you, you want to go after downsizing and getting that mortgage before you retire. Um, that way, you know, it's, it's a lot smoother process. The other thing you got to consider is if you are retired or soon to be in 65 age range. Um, you know, if you're going to sell a highly appreciated home, the capital gain can create stealth taxes. Not only can it create additional taxes you got to pay, but it can also mean that your Medicare premiums jump up. Um, and so you want to kind of coordinate the sell or if you have a large capital event with your retirement date, uh, date and deadline, your 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 Medicare deadline is, is better said. Um, so honestly, everybody's position is going to be a little bit different, but those are kind of the two things that I would be consulting a family around if they're considering downsizing. It's very common uh, that people downsize upon retirement or in later retirement, 
but you just got to be aware of what you're up against. And there is there is exemptions, right? I, I probably want to be clear on that. That you know, if if you're married, you can have up to five hundred thousand dollars of capital gains as long as you've been in the house two years, and it's your homestead. Uh, Two fifty if you're uh, if you're single filer. So a lot of families they they may not have to worry about capital gains, but if you've been in a house a long time here in Austin uh, or surrounding, uh, you've seen highly appreciated homes, well over you know that kind of appreciation. So just be mindful of that you know consult with a CPA, a fiduciary advisor. I'll take another text question here here in a minute, but I, I want to get into some meat and potatoes here because the, the thing about Social Security, it's one of the greatest assets that you have. It, it really is. And it's your money, something that you've been paying into a long time. But a lot of people don't understand how, um, how, how working into your Social Security age range, working past 62, how that impacts your Social Security benefit. Um, you know, continuing to work after that age really can affect your level of Social Security benefits, whether you're receiving it or not. Um, very few people understand these. And again, we want you to coordinate the timing of Social Security with all your income sources, all your retirement sources. And some people need to work longer than others. But, but knowing how working impacts the benefit, it's going to lead you to a more educated decision about when you should claim the benefit or whether you should even continue working. But as most of you know that have listened to our, you know, our program here for years, you know you can claim benefits as early as 62, whether you're working or not. Um, the level of benefit that you're going to receive, it increases each year that you wait all the way up to age 70. Now, like I said, you can continue to work and take Social Security. But there's an earnings cap you got to be aware of, and it, it's it's very low, and and obviously you know it, it the penalty will erode the, uh, the the social security benefit away pretty quickly. But when you think about delaying your social security, um, a lot of people know that it grows in deferral uh, automatically, and then it, it has cost of living adjustments added to it. But there's another factor that dictates what your benefit will be. And, and the way that social security benefits are calculated is that they're using your 35 highest earning years. And I'm not going to go into to details today on how they're calculated. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel at reap financial, where I drop new content every Wednesday there. And um, I've got a couple segments that you can, you can go down the rabbit hole with me on that. But if you don't have 35 years of earnings, basically what happens is you're assigned an income of $0 for each of the missing years. And most of us, you know, we had lower earning years in our careers, maybe early in our careers. I, my first job, my first W-2 job was at 14. You know, I've been working a long time, but what I was making at 14 versus day is a lot different. So you've got kind of this blend of income levels or ranges over your working careers. Um, there's also a number of people out there that have, you know, very little or no earnings Maybe you weren't in the workforce at all. Maybe you were a stay-at-home parent or whatever the, the situation was. You, you volunteered with your time. But that means if you work another year and earn more than you did earlier, the earnings in the latest year will replace the earnings from an earlier year amongst your highest 35 years. So basically, if you're working today in the next year and the following, and you've got income that's higher than maybe your earlier years, it knocks those zeros or those lower earning years off, okay? 
there's a lot of other people that that will realize that they already have 35 high earning years. Like you, you let's say you've you've been making a great wage for a long time. If you're falling into that camp, working more years, in many cases, can have little to no effect on your retirement benefit. So the amount of the monthly increase in benefits is really going to depend on the number of low earning years that are replaced by higher earning years. Another factor is your income level. Okay, middle and lower income workers receive benefits that replace a higher percentage of their working years income in their upper income years, you know, their late earning years. For middle and lower income workers, replacing a few of the low earning years with higher earning years can actually generate a real meaningful increase in your lifetime benefits. But for somebody out there that's got relatively high earnings for most of their working career, working a few more years might increase you know, your benefit just by a few bucks or so. But after you turn 62, Social Security is going to recalculate your benefits every year that you don't claim benefits. That's how it works. It's going to take your earnings from the latest year, add it to your record of lifetime earnings, and select the 35 years with the highest inflation-adjusted earnings. In some situations, I want to be clear, that the effects of working longer are so powerful that delaying retirement by only three to six months has the same impact on retirement standard of living and savings as an additional percentage point on earnings each year over 30 years. So the thing is, is that you really want to consult with somebody, particularly if you're you're thinking about working and taking Social Security benefits, because if you're married, you know, there's a lot of options out there still. I mean, for years on KLBJ, I, I swear we would we would get on the air back. I remember 2012, 2013, 2014, and the whole show would be people calling in about Social Security. I mean, I felt like it was the Social Security hour on this station, and that really has tapered down, not because Social Security has lost its importance or its value. It's just there's a lot fewer claiming strategies. They, you know, Legislation has taken a lot of the lucrative strategies off the table over the years, but it's still one of the greatest assets that you have, whether you're very affluent or just have a few hundred thousand dollars in retirement. Timing is everything. So you really want to coordinate your benefits with, you know, what you got. And you need to understand how Social Security is calculating your lifetime benefit. And then also something I want to talk to you about is when you get your Social Security statement, you, generally these days you got to go to ssa.gov, you got to print it off, um, you know, you, you, you know the drill. And they show you what your benefit amount will be in that right-hand corner. You know, what it's a, what's it going to be at 62, 64, 68? It just... They've gotten more detailed with it, but you can't take those numbers at face value, okay? Because that is the gross amount. It's the gross amount you're going to get. But when you retire and you start living on your retirement accounts, what's going to happen is more than likely, unless you're at poverty level of income or standard of living, you're going to pay tax on your social security benefits. So they'll be happy to withhold it. And then you're going to get on Medicare and most people elect to have their Medicare taken out of their Social Security check, the the A, B, and D, that is. So what you're seeing on the statement is gross. It's not necessarily the net. It could be hundreds of dollars, if not six, eight hundred dollars less when you factor in taxes and Medicare than what's actually on your statement. The same is true with your 401ks and IRAs. You've got a $3 million 401k, good for you, but it's really only worth about a, you know, maybe 2.2, 2.3 million because you've never paid tax 
remember, I was talking earlier today that, you know, when you lose a spouse, your net worth shrinks overnight. Why? Because the following year, you're likely in a higher tax bracket and every dollar you want to live on, is going to be taxed at a higher rate. It's all about the net. It truly is about the net when it comes to retirement and planning. And, you know, people ask me all the time, Chris, you know, how do we, how do we get around tax on Social Security? It's, it's just incredibly difficult. The, the limits are so low. You know, if you're single, you'd have to have less than $25,000 of, of income. And by the way, half of your Social Security benefit, if you're taking it, counts towards that. <laughs> so you're already halfway to the, to the limit, probably for most people. Um, you know, to, to pay zero tax on Social Security, you got to have less than 25000 of income single. It's like 32000 for married married couples, 34000 somewhere in that range. And so, I mean, you see, and, and when you think half the benefit counts towards it, it's very, very tough to not pay tax on Social Security. So if we know you're going to likely pay tax and 85% of it is taxable, that's why it just reiterates why it's so critical that you wring every nickel out of your social security benefits. And one of the things that we used to do for families here on KLBJ that I haven't done in so long is offer a customized social security analysis. You don't have to come in for this. We'll just need a couple pieces of information and we'll generate a customized report for you and your spouse based on the top three ways to take your benefit and get the most out of the system. You don't have to share statements with us. You don't have to come in. But I want to offer this for five of our Wealth Radio listeners right now. Email me today, chris at wealthradio.com. And I put Social Security in the subject line. This is of great value. My staff will be in touch with you with a quick email on what they need to generate it. Everything will be held in strict confidence. But it'll be a great tool for you that are maybe approaching Social Security to you know, get a better sense of what your options are. Email me now, chris at wealthradio.com. Chris at wealthradio.com. We're happy to, um, you know, to get that to you. Now, I was talking um, about the, the earnings cap, and I just want to make sure I, I kind of put a stamp on it. When, when you are working past age 62 and you take Social Security and you're not full retirement age yet, you hit you with a, an earnings cap. And basically what, what it is, is they'll take, they'll take $1 away for every $2 you're making over the earnings limit. And the painful thing about this is that when you, when you are working and you're over the limit and you got your social security on, you don't know that this is happening. In fact, they don't even know. You're 62, so you qualify for your benefit. They, they turn it on for you. And what happens is you get through a tax cycle and then they see that you've been receiving Social Security and you're over the earnings limit. And you're going to get a letter in the mail that says, hey, we, we, we see that you've been working. You got a nice wage. Um, you owe us a bunch of money back because you were over the earnings limit. And um, I'm going to tell you, that's a hard letter to get because you have two options. You can either cut a check back for the penalty, or if you can't afford to do that, they'll stop your benefit and they're going to recoup every dollar of it and you won't get a check until it's been completely 
um, and completely recouped. Think about that. So if you're needing Social Security as part of your supplemental income, man, this can catch a lot of people by surprise. It happened to one of my family members. I just caught them by surprise. But for 2023, that earnings cap limit is 21240 So if you're making over 21240 that's when that $1 goes away for every $2 you earn above the, the benefit limit. So that's one thing that's a big gotcha. And this is why some families, you know, we had a text question earlier from, from Sharon about deferring Social Security. Sometimes you lose a job in your 60s, you're forced to retire, something happens, and you still want to work. So you've got a, a gap, maybe six, 12 months that you want to um, maybe bridge that gap with some supplemental from Social Security. But if you're taking it in your under your full retirement age, you, you can take it for 12 months and then turn it off once you get the new job. Six, eight, 10, 12 months, whatever that, that is. But you have to pay everything back. And so that's just, you know, when you're having to give a check back to the government because you were taking your money out of the government system, <laughs> psychologically, that's a really tough check to write. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a tax bill, it feels like, right? Well, you know, we cover a lot of things on this show, but I, I want to encourage our listeners, if, if, you, if you haven't yet, email me, chris at wealthradio.com. I want to get you that customized social security analysis since we spent a good time talking about it today. And also, um, I want to I give families an opportunity to subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Reap Financial. We've got a great channel there, nearly 100 different videos, all things pre and post-retirement to ensure that you can optimize your financial world, you can protect your wealth. And I, I talk in detail about many of the things that we help counsel our successful retirees with, myself and our team of wonderful fiduciary advisors. So that's at Reap Financial on our YouTube channel there. And, um, you know, before I take a break, too, I, I know a lot of people may just be tuning in. And uh, we've got a great new report that I want you to get your hands on. If you're even considering retirement, uh, you really want to get your hands on this. It's our top 10 retirement tips report. Go to reapfinancial.com. That's R-E-A-P financial.com. Right there on my homepage, you can download it directly to your inbox. And we dive into a lot of different things on this. But, you know, the thing that, that's really, really powerful is we're showing you kind of the inside scoop as to what retirees face. And many of the pitfalls to avoid, many of the opportunities that maybe you don't know are right in front of you. So get your hands on this report. It's of great value. Go to reapfinancial.com, download it right there. I'm Chris Herline. Um, we got a few more things to cover here. You can join me right now with a text question 512 836 0590. I'll be right back. This is Wealth Radio, 10 years now on KLBJ. Here's author, wealth manager, and CEO of Reap Financial, Chris Herline. Welcome back. Chris Herline here in our last segment, CEO of Reap Financial, host of Wealth Radio for over a decade now here on KLBJ. Thanks for joining us. 512-836-0590. That's the uh, number that James texted in, a question to. James, thanks for this. Uh, he says, should we consider including bonds in our retirement plan? You know, I'm going to tell you, you know, up till about 2022, it was very common that retirees have bonds in their portfolio. Um, you know, you hear the old school, you know, 60, 40, 
equities, bonds, the whole thing. You know, 2022 was a really unique year. Although, you know, equities were down, bonds were down substantially as well. It was a year that almost, you kind of look at your portfolio, didn't feel like anything was working. But, you know, you go back to 2008, if you were in bonds, you fared pretty well. In 2022, you know, bonds were down 5, 15%, equities, you know, 20 to 40. So it was a different day. And a lot of, you know, a lot of that has to do with this, this fastest interest rate increase in, in history. Um, but things are settling a bit and bonds are becoming more attractive. And I think they will still continue to play part, you know, in a retirement portfolio. The, you know, the, the question is, is what kind of risk are you willing to take, you know, short, medium term, long term? You know, that's that's kind of the question when you look at the bond game and what the Fed's going to do. But, you know, we believe that the Fed will potentially uh, cut rates next year, likely by Q2. And uh, we'll have to see what's going on in the bond market. But I think that, you know, it is a prudent approach still. Um, the, the, the mix of bonds and equities has definitely changed in our successful clients' portfolios at Reap Financial. Uh, so, James, that's be something, you know, we could take a deeper look at your portfolio in the office or online together at some point. Appreciate your listenership. You know, in closing, one, one of the most important decisions um, for most 65-year-olds is the choice of Medicare coverage. It's so daunting, isn't it? For those of you that have been through it or approaching it, it's like your mailbox is full, you're getting emails, you're getting invited to dinner events. Like, what do I get? What is it? Medicare, A, B, D, do I get C, do I get Medigap, do I get Advantage Plan? I mean, it's a big decision. It's a big decision whether you are going to enroll in the original Medicare or you're going to get a Medicare Advantage Plan. And what's, what's crazy is this in 2023, for the first time, Half or more of Medicare beneficiaries have been enrolled in Advantage plans instead of Medicare or the original Medicare, they call it. And there's pluses and minuses to each. And I've, I've covered them in past segments on our YouTube channel, at Reap Financial. You can dive into to, to those with me there. But it's important to give enough weight to the long-term consequences. And a lot of people don't do it. You know, for example, you know, consider coverage of short-term nursing home care. A lot of people don't know this, but neither Medicare option that I'm talking about covers long-term stays in nursing home that are needed for primary or custodial care. Medicare does cover up to 100 days in a nursing home or skilled nursing facility that's needed after you've been hospitalized for at least three days. And this type of care typically is, you know, maybe for um, rehabilitation or recovery after major, a major illness, a major surgery. Um, you know, the individual after that surgery maybe isn't ready to go home, but doesn't need to stay in the hospital. In original Medicare, you, your doctor, and perhaps the other medical providers decide whether you should go to a nursing facility and they're going to decide for how long. But when you're enrolled in an Advantage plan, well, that plan decides how much rehabilitation is going to be covered. So, you know, you think about plus and minuses there. Advantage plans tend to deny or limit stays in nursing homes compared to the care given by original Medicare. So that's a consideration. Now, the rules allow you to change plans each year during the open enrollment period, such as switching from an Advantage plan to original Medicare. But let's be honest, as a practical matter, you could end up with less coverage if you switch. Original Medicare Part B has a number of coverage gaps. 
The most significant gap that I can think of other than prescription drugs is there's this 20% coinsurance amount on most types of covered care. And you're on the hook for the 20% with no dollar limit. And that's why original Medicare participants should obtain Medicare Supplemental or, you know, Medigap. I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of questions out there around Medicare, but I got one the other day. It was like, do, you know, I'm retired. I'm on Obamacare. Do I have to get on uh, Medicare? And the answer is yes. Once you're 65, you, you do have to get on Medicare. You have to get on Medicare E, to, uh, sorry, Medicare A, to, to even receive a Social Security check. So you're forced to get on A if you want your money out of the social system. And then you got to get Part B. And then you got to get you know, Part D, which is the drug policy. And, uh, and then you're going to potentially get a supplemental. And, you know, I've talked a lot about Medicare surtax and everything like that. But, you know, if you're at the base of Medicare, uh, you know, you're probably paying 380, 400 bucks a month for very comprehensive care if it's, if it's you know, designed correctly. At Reap Financial, we have a full-time advisor that specializes in Medicare. And we help all of our families that are turning that magic age of 65 go out into the marketplace and obtain the, the most independent and you know, affordable and customizable plan for the family and their values. And for those of you right now that may have more questions and answers around Medicare, we have a specialist on staff full-time that would be happy to help you with that, as well as you know building out an overall retirement plan that can protect your wealth and make sure it lasts as long as you do. When it comes to Medicare, there's a lot of gotchas, but I got a great Medicare planning guide. And if you have questions or you're approaching that age, email me right now, chris at reapfinancial.com, chris at reapfinancial.com, and I'll send you my updated Medicare guide for 2023-2024. As always, I want to thank you guys for uh, your listenership over 10 years now here on KLBJ. I'm Chris Herline, CEO of Reap Financial. Look forward to speaking with so many of you throughout the weeks. And as always, catch me every week live, 11 a.m. here on News Radio KLBJ.